Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life, is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, have more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. So much for having me this morning. Um, thank you for the kind introduction. Um, it's a joy and privilege to be with you this morning. I want to thank Pastor Scott and the session, the elders of this church, the leaders of this church, for having me come and preach God's word to you. Um, my name, as was said, is Wei Ho. Um, you've met some of my colleagues in RUF, and some of them even attend this church. Um, I work in our denomination's campus ministry called uh, RUF. And mine in particular is RUF Gotham, uh, which is, as I said, Midtown, Fordham on the west side, Hunter on the east side, and all other campuses in the area. Um, not many people know this. Uh, many of you don't know me, but I know a little bit about you. Um, I took this job and moved to New York, not knowing much about New York City, and I did not know many people in the city. But I accept my friend, Andrew Yu, who used to attend this church a long time ago, when I, the only time I visited New York City, way back, he took me to his church, which is Emmanuel. And so I didn't know a whole lot about New York City when it came, but I knew about one church in New York called Emmanuel. And so it's such an honor to be here and now to be able to preach to you this morning. Um, so um, our campus ministry, Ari of Gotham, we've been going through a sermon series called Questions That Jesus Has For Us. And Jesus, this mysterious God-man, fully God, fully man, uh, who more than our, often our questions for him, actually we find in the Gospels themselves that he has more questions for us. And Oftentimes, people will come to him with questions, and he, he would sometimes frustratingly answer back with questions of his own. And I think there's primarily twofold the reasons why he does this. One is, uh, one, we end up learning more about who we are before him as a questioner. And then second, we end up learning more about the one who asks such questions. So as we just heard from God's word this morning, Matthew 6 Jesus is in the middle of giving his famous Sermon on the Mount, and so let's go and meet Jesus on that mountainside. And his question for us this morning, why are you anxious? Why do you worry so much? What's our response to Jesus, his question at first blush? 
Is it hope? Maybe just in Jesus asking such question, maybe there could be relief and help for my anxiety? Is it indifference? Is it anger? Defensiveness? A a sense of defeat? Um, I'll tell you mine. It's almost offensive to me at first. Oh, Jesus, you don't know? You have some time? Don't you see all the things I have to deal with today? And truth is, I uh, feel so inadequate to give you this message because I am by nature such an anxious person. I'm from an immigrant family, and if I could be honest, uh, we grew up with, I grew up around morbid anxiety. We were always insecure, looking over our backs, feeling lonely in this country, and not knowing who to trust except for ourselves. And coming, just to, coming here to the city just a few years ago from Atlanta, I've experienced anxiety in this city. Uh, in so many aspects of my life, whether it be career or uh, urban living, uh, everyone's favorite pastime in the summer here, apartment hunting. And then no one told me that a global pandemic would hit New York City when I moved here. And the list goes on and on. And so even though I feel so inadequate, even a bit hypocritical in giving you this message this morning, I give this message because I think it's a message that I need to hear most. And I think from my time observing people in the city and doing ministry here, I think we might need this as well. Jesus again asks, why do you worry? And I think our response that depends on what we think of him, right? Whose words are these? Are they the words of a judgmental stranger? Or are they the words and questions of a loving teacher who has gathered his students to him on a mountainside? And despite my crankiness, Jesus loves me enough to not walk away on my bubbling irritability, which is always there. He cares about my anxiety, and he doesn't want me to always be worried. Jesus, after all, many, many times in the Gospels, tells people not to be worried, not to be afraid. But by what power does he say this? What does he know? For what reason does he then follow up by saying then, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about today. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Let's now go see what Jesus has to say to us. And we'll find at least three reasons a day. Um, Three reasons why uh, help us fight our anxieties. First, to show us why we should not be anxious, Jesus says, look up. Look up at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies, the flowers of the field. It says this in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap like a farmer nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? In verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? I thought it was so ironic this morning. I'm like, what, what tie do I wear? Um, <laughs> says a man preaching this morning. Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory, so this is the, the, great, the most successful king of Israel, with the most wisdom, power, and wealth in all of Israel's history. So as Jesus says this, his audience would know that. Not even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
And then I love how Jesus follows that up by saying, if God would do that for grass and flowers of the field that are pretty today and are used tomorrow to start a fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? For fun, I looked up what is the world's most expensive and valuable dress. Um, I, don't, I, I know at least a little bit about you, and I know some of you are into fashion or modeling. And here's what I found. The most expensive dress in the world is a red chiffon dress bedecked in jewels. It's called the Nightingale of Kuala Lumpur by Malaysian designer Abdul Fasali. It has 751 diamonds with Swarovski crystals weighing over 1,100 carats, including a 70-carat teardrop diamond. And here's the damage. It is worth $30 million. 30 mil, one dress. Jesus is saying, and talking about Solomon, you don't need to worry because I make beautiful things that you don't even think much of out in the field that are more precious and priceless and glorious, more, and you are more beautiful to me and more precious to me than million-dollar dresses or whatever that the money that Solomon could spend on and wear. You are worth more to me than that. You are of more value to me. I will take care of you. I will take care of what you need. Uh, That's both an argument of the lesser to the greater. Look, if God cares for the birds this way, yeah, the ones that dive bomb you in New York City, Uh, if if he would clothe the lilies in this way, and he loves us much, much more than birds and lilies and flowers, how much more is he going to care for us? What will we wear? What will we eat? What will we drink? Will our family be okay? Will our parents be okay? Will our kids be okay? Will I be okay? Is this enough? Am I enough? His question to our anxiety this morning, Jesus says that he loves us more, more, more infinitely more, than our wildest imaginations, will he not provide for our every need? Our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Will he, not, will he not give that to us that we need? I was reading this again last night, and it just struck me how often the word more shows up in this passage. Is, life, is not life about more than food and clothing? Are we not of more value than sparrows and lilies to our God. If God would see to it that a flower that's here and today and gone tomorrow shine like 300 mil regardless, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And I think in our lack of faith and our unbelief, we are consistently prone to overestimate our power to provide for ourselves and control our destiny. We are prone to overestimate our power. And I think it's because of that we worry so much because we're finite, we're fallible. And we consistently underestimate. Yes, all of us are so used to hearing about God's care and love and and provision. We are uh, prone to consistently underestimate just how much God loves us 
and cares for our every need and watches over every step and all our loved ones. Later on, the Apostle Paul commenting on God's great love and generosity, he must have learned the same divine logic of how much more, because he says this in Romans 8.32, he who is the God the Father, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so here in the first reason he gives, we don't need to be anxious or worry. Rather, we can have peace knowing that there is divine love that, um, that provides for our every need. Second, the reason that Jesus gives not to worry is because it's fruitless. All it does is give us harm. Um, It says here, it does absolutely nothing positive. It's unproductive. Verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It accomplishes nothing. It doesn't help you live any longer by worrying. It's like a school bully. Made me think about the, uh, the cartoon show, The Simpsons. Has anybody seen that show? It's a long time running. Um, there's a bully on that cartoon. His name is Nelson. And there's a stereotypical, like, nerd millhouse. He's got glasses. And, and they're on a school bus. And um, I guess they're doing a school project. And Milhouse had no choice because Nelson picked him to be his partner for that school project. Some of you know what that's like. You're like, oh, I'm stuck with that guy for this whole project. And uh, the, 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 the video recording is happening, and Nelson has Milhouse's fist, and he's punching him in the fist with it. And recording it says, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. I think I personally know this all too well. I can sit there at my desk, and I can stew and stew, my head's running in circles. It doesn't ever resolve. It's always dissonance and tension. It doesn't resolve. There's no, no consonance and peace. And, and I've had to learn the hard lesson that when that's happening, when I'm turned in on myself, when I'm hitting myself in my anxiety, I need to learn the difference when something is productive and has actual analysis of a situation, finding a solution, and when it's just my anxiety talking. One can lead to problem solving and the other just spirals down until I'm somehow able to get away or break that cycle. So how do we break that cycle? We'll look at another reason in just one second. Thirdly, the reason that Jesus gives why we should not be worried or to fight our anxiety it might surprise us, but um, it's a little less obvious than the first two. It's here in this text. He gives us a hint all the way back in verse 25. You look back there with me. He knows what you and I are prone to worry about, right? Maybe you're not worried about food or drink. Your fridge is stacked and full. Um, we never worried about toilet paper until COVID, right? So my parents went out to Costco and like just bought all this paper towels and toilet paper. Um, But he knows we're prone to worry about. And so with these questions, it's like he's saying, this life I've given you, it's about way more than basic necessities. The body is about more than what you wear. Life is about more than what you put on and what you can eat. And there are weightier spiritual 
eternal matters at hand, at stake in our lives. And what is it? He now gives it in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. Jesus points to himself and his, his, his own purpose for coming into our world. Oh, and that we would find our purpose in his great purpose. That we would find our story in his great story. And that is his kingdom. He came to usher in his kingdom. If, he is, if Jesus is heaven come down, the transcendent taking upon himself humanity, what is his kingdom? I would say everywhere and everyone and where Jesus is enthroned in our hearts as king. And that where there Jesus is, we will find peace and joy and love. And the effects of one whose heart is set free and focused on the kingdom are enormous. Imagine with me this great city. Imagine with me it will be filled with kingdom-minded churches and people who love God and each other. How clean would these, these streets be? What would happen to the homeless? How would it change how you relate to your spouse and people in your home and other family matters? What would your office look like if your company, if your people were known for righteousness? What about your college campus? What does this kingdom coming to your school look like? And to know this, that this is, this is God's will with an unbreakable promise that it will come to pass, it will happen. How would it change our anxieties to know if we were to remember and focus on the undeniable, the unstoppable, the unfailing, the undefeated kingdom of God, which is always advancing, and invest and seek first in that? I think we have less worries, and I think we would have more peace. I love how fellow New Yorker Frederick Buchner, who's, a, who's many things, author, theologian, pastor, poet, all that, put it, if we only had eyes to see and ears to hear and wits to understand, we would know that the kingdom of God in the sense of holiness, goodness, beauty is as close as breathing and is crying out to be born both within ourselves and within the world. We would know that the kingdom of God is what we all of us hunger for above all other things, even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for. So those of you that have a sense of earning, yearning, even if you don't know Christ or understand the Bible, there's a yearning here. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are, and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it at some moment of crisis. A strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is home where we realize, and whether we realize it or not, I think all of us are homesick for it. Oh, that dominates and engulf our minds and our senses instead of our anxious thoughts and fears. And finally then, what shall we do with our anxiety? Jesus, to recap, Jesus tells us not to worry because he loves us and he will provide for our every need. 
tells us not to worry because it's fruitless and sufficient for each day as his own trouble. And finally, not to worry because his kingdom is unstoppable and calls us to seek that first. But how does this break anxiety cycle? I think we should go to him. We should go to this Christ, this one with all peace and power, take our, greater, our worries to even greater power, to fight our anxieties so that we would not worry in life. We should devote ourselves to prayer and meditation. And whether that is something you've never done or something you do often or something that uh, you've gotten away from doing, both on a regular basis, when we were, whether uh, on a typical day or whether we're feeling anxious, if we are going to break the cycle of anxiety, we need to focus on the one who is greater than all of our heart issues, who is stronger than all our frailties and our weaknesses, who is always present in our time of need. Or as 1 Peter 5, 7 puts it, to, to cast our anxieties upon him, for he cares for us. To that, there's a pastor here in Queens. His name is pastor, uh, Rich Velotis. Here's what he says about daily prayer. Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread, but we'd rather have a Costco relationship with God. We'd rather have stuff in bulk so as not to come back to God so often. But we can't live without daily dependence. Or what about Philippians 4, 5 to 7, where, Phil, uh, where in Philippians where, where Paul says, do not be anxious about everything, but in ev- anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We need to pray when anxiety knocks because we need this peace of God to, to guard our hearts from our worst self-conjured nightmares, from our neurotic, morbid minds when they fail us, and from really very real troubles. Do you have this peace? Do you want this peace? Jesus offers it to us. There's a Christian counselor, his name is Alistair Groves. He says, I think a very insightful uh, thought about anxiety and prayer. He says, anxiety is a launch pad for conversation with the Lord, for pouring out a heart about what really matters. Maybe our goal on a sleepless night is actually to sleep, to, to speak directly to the Lord rather than trying to solve the problem as we lie there and toss and turn. This is a reminder that we need to talk to God, that we need to see Christ, the one who is pierced for our transgressions, that was he who is crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, as Isaiah says, we are healed. And it's because Jesus is our willing, suffering servant who died for our sins, who brought us back to the Father, that we can trust him to be our resurrected king with an eternal kingdom that we are to set our focus on today. And so when our worries cause us insomnia, when we wake up, to, we wake up this morning to a shot of anxiety, when the future looks bleak, and lonely, turn to him and ask for his peace to guard your heart 
to hear his voice in this question to you this morning, not to worry about today and not to worry about tomorrow. There is more to this life than food and clothes. Our Father loves and cares for us more than we could ever understand and know. He knows all that we need. But seek first his prevailing kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things we're so worried about, they'll be added to you. Assured of his great love, may you and I experience this divine peace. May guard our hearts and minds and like the dawn coming when he says these words, when he asks us this question, may our worries flee like shadows. Let's now pray to him, ask for this peace. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are a worryful bunch. We're anxious people. Think about the disciples who, who saw you do miracles. Just turned a few loaves of bread and fish into a vast mountainside of baskets full of food to feed your people and more. And then once again, we come to you and say, where, where is this food going to come from, Lord? And we know, for those of us that know, we know the amazing and miraculous things that you have done in our lives. The sheer miracle that we would call you our Lord and our Savior this morning. And yet we still doubt. And yet we still worry. We're prone to stray and look for that in other places and other gods. Lord, forgive us. Direct our hearts to see Christ in his face fully and to know you love us and you provide for every need. You know us through and through. Help us to cast our anxieties upon you in prayer. And if we are to be, uh, and, have, and, and Lord, direct us and our attention to, to you and your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, and knowing that you will provide for all things, God. What will you not give us? You've given us your son. What will you not give us, Lord? Restore our faith. May it be for the first time in a while today that we would pray to you and ask for this peace upon our hearts and lives, our loved ones. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name.